I want you to remember that God, God's created everything you see. He breathed it into existence. Remember when his people were caught up in slavery? He rescued them. What he did was he parted the sea and he made a way for them and then he delivered their enemies to them and he unlocks wounds and he provides water from a rock and he provides manna from heaven and he brought down the walls of Jericho. He froze the sun allowing victory. He's toppled giants with tiny stones. He's brought fire from heaven. He shut the mouths of lions. He preserved life in the belly of a well. He's fed thousands with a few loaves. He gives the weak strength. He heals the sick. He's made the blind see, the deaf ear, the mute speak, the lame walk, and he's overcome evil, and he's made a way through death for you and me by the death and the resurrection of his son, Jesus Christ, that we will live with him forever. We will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever and ever and ever. What are we afraid of? His resume is flawless. He controls everything and he loves you. What are we afraid of? His resume is flawless, listen to me, and he loves you. He loves you in the midst of this season. And maybe you have been asking the same question that many of us have been asking, what are we going to do now? What in the world are we going to do in the midst of this coronavirus that's changing everything by the hour? Many of us, I dare say most of us actually, have never seen anything quite like this. This is a scary moment for a lot of people. It's, it's a time of uncertainty where we don't know necessarily what tomorrow will hold, let alone what the next four to six weeks are going to hold. But here's what I do know. I do know that in a season like this, we have a choice. Will we embrace fear or will we embrace faith? You know, we sang How Great Thou Art earlier, and come on, you know it's true. It's easy to sing How Great Thou Art when the times are good. I mean, we can lift our hands and sing it with a smile on our face, but it's times like this that thrust upon us the decision, the choice. Will we go the way of the world and embrace fear or will we be the people of God and embrace faith? I put it like this in my notes. Are we going to live by fear or faith? Hebrews 11.1 1 says it like this, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. The most repeated command in scripture by far is the command that God gives human beings to not be fearful. We see this time and time and time again in scripture. Verses like fear not, do not fear. Do not be afraid. 
So what are we going to do now? Are we gonna live by fear or faith? So I wanna talk to you today and next Sunday with the title, Faith Over Fear. Why don't you say that with me wherever you are? Faith over fear. One more time, faith over fear. Go ahead and open up your Bibles to Exodus 14. And you've probably heard this story before, but it might've been some time ago. It's way back in the Old Testament. Genesis, Exodus, go to chapter 14. The Israelites had come to the shore of the Red Sea. They were with their leader, Moses. There were approximately 2 million of them. And Moses comes to the sea. Now, I don't know if you've ever thought much about Moses, um, but I wonder if you guys could help me out today. Could y'all be the Israelites? Y'all are the Israelites, and you guys on the other side of the screen, you are the Egyptians. I know that will not end well for you, but just, <laughs> just stick with me for the sake of the story. They come to the, the shoreline. The, the Egyptians are chasing the Israelites. They are with their leader, Moses. Now, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but I, I'm certain Moses was a better leader than I am, no doubt about that. But I believe I have a better sense of direction than Moses. Homeboy hung out in the wilderness for 40 years lost. And ever since then, <laughs> men have been hesitant to ask for directions, right? I don't know what the case may be, but he's an incredible leader. He gets to the shoreline with the Israelites, there's a big body of water in front of them. They come to this scene where they are frightened. You just read the text. They are fearful. Like a lot of people today, they are simply terrified. And it's in this very moment, in the midst of their fear, that God not only shows up, but God shows off in one of the most profound, powerful miracles in the Bible. And we're gonna start reading in verses 11 and 12, where the Bible says this. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? Notice the sarcasm. I'll speak a little bit more about that in just a bit, but it's just dripping with sarcasm. What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? And then listen to this. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. So they go from fear they go to sarcasm, and they go to the worst case scenario. And that is our human natural tendency in times like this. The Israelites are understandably having a very natural human response. And some of you might be having a very natural human response response. But can I remind you that God said we are to be in the world, but not of the world? And here is the world's, again, natural human response when our back is against the wall and times are tough. 
If you're a note taker, you wanna write this down. This might be where you are. First, they're afraid. First, they're afraid. Second, they get sarcastic with their leader, Moses. Thirdly, they start imagining worst case scenarios. And I don't know if you've ever been in that situation or if you've ever just thought about your response in the midst of scary situations, but if you're anything like me, you can think back and you can remember times where you have been fearful. You can remember times where you have possibly grown sarcastic. And we can all remember times where it just seems like the sky is falling and we start to create and imagine worst case scenarios. Let me talk to you about those three human responses today before I then show you what I believe God's word tells us that we should respond and how we should respond going forward. First, fear. Everybody say fear. Let's talk about when you're afraid. Our text says that the Israelites were terrified. Let me ask you, do you tend to make better decisions or worse decisions when you're terrified? Worse decisions. We, we always make worse decisions when we are terrified, when we're scared. For instance, do you think you're going to use any more toilet paper than normal in the weeks and months ahead? <laughs> right? People must obviously think they are because they're buying it all up, right? I read recently uh, about how the U.S. government, Peace Corps, Manual teaches its volunteers who work in the Amazon jungle. It, they teach them how to react, how to respond if they have been attacked by an anaconda snake. It's crazy, it's crazy. Listen to this. And you guys know I don't like snakes. I don't like little, I don't like tiny little snakes the size of your pinky. I don't like rattlesnakes. I don't like black snakes. I know some of you love black snakes. I don't, but have you ever seen an anaconda snake? Well, again, the U.S. government Peace Corps tells its soldiers, its, its people how to respond. Listen to this. If you are ever attacked by an anaconda, don't run. <laughs> <laughs> don't run. Come on. I'm running. Listen, it says don't run. This, it says this, the snake is faster than you are. This is true. This is true. You can look this up. Lie flat on the ground. So don't run. Lie flat on the ground. Put your arms tight against your sides and your legs tight against one another and just lay there. Tuck in your chin Kind of like my son Wesley and those cadets do at the Citadel when they march around, right? Tuck your chin in. The snake will come and begin to nudge and climb all over your body. And then they say, don't panic. <laughs> what? Yeah, don't panic, right? Then they say this. This is in their official manual. After the snake has examined you, it will begin to swallow you from the feet end. Always the feet end. Permit the snake to swallow your feet and ankles. 
Again, they say, do not panic. (laughs) The snake will now begin to suck your legs into its body. I wish you folks could see the expressions on your face. I can only imagine the expression on your faces wherever you are. Then it says this, then it says this. You must lie perfectly still. This will take a long time. (laughs) I know, I know. When the snake, listen, this is when it really gets good. When the snake has reached your knees, slowly and with as little movement as possible, reach down, take out your knife, and very gently slide it into the side of the snake's mouth between the edge of its mouth and your leg, then suddenly rip upwards, severing its head. And then it says, last point, (laughs) be sure to have your knife. Now, friends, (laughs) friends, it's natural when your back's against the wall to be afraid. But thinking about it, sometimes we make our worst decisions in fear. In fear, you might run in panic from an anaconda when what you really need to do is be still. Be very, very still. Why? Because we tend to not make good decisions when we are terrified and afraid. Let's, let's talk about the second thing they do. First, they were afraid. The second thing, it's very clear in the scripture, they got very sarcastic with Moses. Just listen to the Israelite sarcasm. Exodus 14, 11. If you've got your Bibles, underline this, highlight it, whatever the case may be. They say this in verse 11. Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us into the desert to die. It's just dripping with sarcasm. Were they out of cemeteries in Egypt, Moses, that you brought us here so we could have a cheaper funeral? It's just laced with sarcasm. And I don't know about you, but I've actually learned the hard way that sarcasm, just like fear, is not very productive. Then they throw in this line, verse 12. Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone and let us serve the Egyptians? Now, if you know your Bibles, you think that you know right away they are lying. That is not truthful at all. They're making it up on the spot in the midst of their sarcasm. They are creating their own narrative. Remember, they were begging God And they were begging Moses to get them out of Egypt. But when the going got tough, they became sarcastic and they started creating their own narrative, a false narrative. And friends, I just gotta tell you, in 30 years of ministry, I've learned that in marriage, in friendships, in the church, sarcasm is usually not productive. And when you're afraid, sarcasm just makes matters worse. And I realize some of you take pride in the fact that 
Your love language is sarcasm. I hear that from people sometimes. And sometimes you can hang with people and if you both speak that love language, it can be fun and it can add some levity. But in the tough seasons in life and in the real important seasons of life and the real important relationships in life, I'm just telling you, sarcasm usually wreaks havoc on a relationship. And here's the third thing they do. They slipped into a worst case scenario mentality. Now, some of us are professionals at creating these worst case scenarios. Some of you right now might be thinking, yes, I'm married to a person who always creates the worst case scenario. But before you look at a spouse or a child, I find that it's helpful to actually look in the mirror. And sometimes when times get hard, we have this tendency, just like the Israelites, to imagine the worst case scenario. Did you hear what they said in verse 12? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. I just gotta ask the question. Have you found yourself in this season creating the worst case scenario? Letting your mind slip into a place of worry and anxiety. I wanna tell you that um, there have been times when I find myself doing that as well. Earlier this week, I was laying in my bed late at night. For some reason, I wasn't sleeping that well. And I just started to let my mind run wild. And that can be a dangerous thing. And I started... I started playing the what if game, you know? What if, what if this thing drags out for months? What, what if this thing goes even through the summer? What if, what if new hopers fall out of the habit of going to church? What if, and I start thinking about other churches, what if other churches, small churches, who, who have not been able to establish online services and they have not been able to establish online giving, what if, what if they don't make it? What if my children struggle and their faith starts to slip a little bit as a result of this? And before long, I'm just like you, I can descend I can descend down a stairway of worst case scenarios. And that's exactly what ancient Israel did on the shorelines that day. And if we're not careful, we can just start to play it on out where we think of bad outcomes. The sky starts to fall in our own world and we can actually start to struggle with faith, and we can slip into a life of fear. I wonder if that's happened to you any recently. And I wonder if this, this great story from Exodus 14 might be the very thing that can slip you out of that state of mind. The author of Aesop's Fables once said this, my life has been full of terrible misfortunes, most of which never happened. Think about it. Because our minds can start slipping in to this worst case scenario. And part of our human nature, 
our natural tendency is to just start catastrophizing the things that are around us and feeling like everything is going to end bad. And did you know that it was Jesus? Jesus who said in Matthew 6, 27, who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? Worrying and worst case scenario is not productive. So the Israelites are on the shore of the Red Sea and the Egyptians are pouring towards them and they are in a tough, terrifying situation. And they're afraid and they've grown sarcastic and they're creating this false narrative in their mind about the worst case scenario. And Moses lays out a brand new plan. And I want you to look at it in verse 13. It's my favorite verse in the entire chapter. Do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance of the Lord that he will bring to you this day. I've called this in my notes, and this is a great leadership lesson for those of you who are out there who might not be a part of our church, or you're a pastor somewhere, or you teach leadership. In my notes, I've called this the Moses Clinic on Leadership and Crisis Management. And here's what Moses says right there in verse 13. Write it in the margins of your Bible. First, we're going to adopt a fear not mentality. We're going to adopt a what? A fear not mentality. Second, we're going to stand firm and trust God. We're going to stand, we're gonna square our shoulders, we're gonna stand firm and we're going to trust God. And then thirdly, we're going to expect, not, not imagine, not wonder, no, no, no. We're gonna expect God's help. That's the new plan. And don't you know, isn't that a much better way to live? I mean, when I'm in fear, I don't make good decisions. When I'm sarcastic, I'm usually not godly. And when I'm living in a worst case scenario, I'm a negative glass half full kind of guy. But if I'm living with a, with a fear not mentality, and I'm standing firm on God's promises, and I'm trusting God, and I'm expecting, like truly with faith, I am expecting God to help me. That's how we make it through the hard times in life. And that, my friends, is how we live with faith over fear. That is how we know that we are God's people. And I don't know if you've thought about this or not, but we need one another to encourage us in this. In the midst of all of this social distancing, and I realize we have to be smart, I wanna just remind all of us that we are human beings and we can redeem technology to connect and fill apart of community. We can still get together with friends in our life groups or our rooted groups. We can't go into complete isolation. We need to be encouraged because this is not the natural tendency. We've already seen what the natural tendency is. This is the faith-filled 
way to make it through storms and seasons like this. Hey, here's a great verse for you to put to memory during these days. It's 2 Timothy 1.7. Most of you know it. It says this, for God did not give us a spirit of timidity. That's a spirit of freaking out. No, no, no. He didn't give us that. He gave us a spirit of what? Power and what? Love and of self-discipline, or some translations say a sound mind. Let me just encourage you that our God is going to see us through this. Can I get an amen? amen? Let me just look at you wherever you are and tell you this from the bottom of my heart and with all the faith that I have, listen, we are going to get through this together. This I promise you. And if you will hold fast to God, he will take what seems like a grave and he will turn it into a garden. We wanna lead you in a final song today and I hope you guys don't just click and move on. Let me just encourage you to stay until the end because we only have one song left and let me tell you, it is a good, good song. It's a new song. You probably have not heard it. It's called Graves Into Gardens. And these amazing musicians and worship leaders are gonna lead us in that song. Let me just encourage you to stay put. You might, not, you might not know how to sing it right away. You might pick it up, but more than anything, just pay close attention to the lyrics. I won't read any of the verses for you, but here's what the chorus says. Oh, there's nothing better than you. Come on now. There's nothing better than the Lord Jesus Christ. But I love the bridge. The bridge, the bridge says, you turn mourning to dancing. Can I get an amen? Come on, you, you give beauty for ashes. You turn shame into glory. You're the only one who can. And then, you know, I'm not a musician, but, but dude, there's like a second bridge. There aren't many songs that have two bridges, right? That's true. Is that, did I get that right? Hey, chalk one up for me. I'm not very musical, but this song is so good. There's two bridges. Check it out. And the second, <laughs> and the second bridge says, you turn graves mm, into gardens. You turn bones into armies. You turn seas into highways. You're the only one who can. That is our God. And again, I just want to look at you because I know some of you are just worried and some of you are struggling and some of you don't know if you're going to make it through the day. Listen, listen, if you, if you struggle and you're lacking some faith right now, will you borrow some of mine? We are going to make it through this together. Why? Because God is able and God is able to take any grave that we come into contact with and he's able to transform that into a garden. It's springtime, church. Things are going to start coming to life all around us. The coronavirus will not stop spring. Why? Because ours is a God of life and he is going to see us through this. He's going to carry us through this grave and he is going to turn it into 
a garden. Thank you for joining us today. I love you. I'm praying for you. And before we sing this song, let me pray over us now. Father, I thank you for your word. Lord, I don't know where we would be without it. Thank you for this amazing passage in Exodus 18. God, and it is our human nature. It is our tendency to simply let fear take over. Then we get negative and sarcastic. And then, oh God, if we're not careful, we will just, we'll just start creating sometimes a, a false narrative and just start imagining the worst case scenario. And Father, that is exactly what Satan wants us to do. And so Lord Jesus, I pray for the persons who are listening and engaged in this online experience. God, I pray that their faith would be encouraged and I pray that they would join me and others of us on the stage today, oh God, and we would live faithful lives. We would live obedient lives. We would stand firm and we would trust you and we would expect you to help because you are faithful. So God, we are going to live with faith over fear. And we pray it all in the name of Jesus Christ, the one who is able, the one who is able to turn any bad situation into a situation that gives glory and honor to you and celebrates your people. We love you. We honor you. We praise you today in Jesus' name. Amen.